Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We're not doing this, however, without considering the works we're committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. We're continuing our series through the book of Ephesians entitled True Identity. We're we're really looking at who God says we are as Christians, as followers of Christ. And gosh, what an exciting time to be alive here, isn't it? Um, The elections are here, and I'm going to be talking this morning about politics, about Joni Mitchell. I know those two go together, about resurrection and about new clothes, okay? That's kind of a little roadmap of where we're going to. But we're going to start off In Ephesians chapter 4, so if you want to open up your scripture to Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to start at verse 17 and read down to verse 24. And Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus and to us by the Holy Spirit. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. How do you really feel, Paul? They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitfulness desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And Father, we do ask that you would give us insight into these words Father, that they would be more than something that we read, but they would be something that impacts who we are. We thank you for an opportunity where we can set time aside to hear from you. And may we be changed because of it, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So what a great political environment we are living in, huh? 
I mean, oh my goodness, the news is just incredible. And it seems like every day there is either a new WikiLink coming out, there is some new person declaring some incident that happened, and there is just so much mudslinging going on. And of course, it happens every election, but it seems like on steroids this year, right? Am I right? Is this not intense or what? And I got to tell you, I'm kind of excited about this. I, I really am because as desperate as things are and as difficult as they are, it, it is when things are the most difficult that God does the deepest work. And, and what Paul does here is he starts off with some kind of bad news. He, he starts off on a low, and then he just gets lower still. I mean, we, we, we think about how he starts off when he says that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Like, what an insult, right? The Gentiles. Well, first of all, who are the Gentiles? It's those who are outside of this covenant that God made. Those who are not connected to God, those who God is not really in their sphere of thought. And he talks about a futility of mind and he talks about this kind of just circling of their mind, but it doesn't really go any place. And so he tells us we're not to, to live our lives or walk as they do, but then it gets worse. And he says they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. It just keeps digging and digging and digging. And it's such a bleak picture. It's like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? And you see, what Paul is really trying to do is something that was common in the Hebrew thought is to get us to understand one way of thinking, it's important to maybe understand the opposite. So to find out what the good news is, let's talk about the bad news because that'll help bring clarity to what really is good. And, and this is a common theme throughout the scripture. We'll see this description of things in one way, and it's only to give more clarity to how things are on the other sphere. And so this description is really... Paul telling us about the condition of humanity, the condition of their hearts or our hearts before there was an awareness of God. He's talking about those who have no concept of God, who don't care about God, who are living a kind of a life that would be as if they were just animals, not living in a, an area where there is any kind of morality, not caring about what is right, but just doing what Ever they feel like doing living to satisfy just themselves and it's a bleak picture because it's a bleak condition verse 19 they have become callous and they've given themselves up to sensuality greedy to practice every kind of impurity and so there's this progression. There's a futility of mind. There's a darkening of understanding. There's an alienation of God. And it's because of the hardness of their hearts. And what it does is it results in this sensuality, this greedy, and to practice every kind of impurity. 
The idea of these three things is, again, the idea of these are basic instincts. They're living with this understanding of it's just about me. And so many times when we start to focus on just whatever we want, we find that these are the things that start to develop. You see, a person who's greedy is someone who just wants to consume. And it doesn't matter who else is there. There is a a desensitization to others because of the needs that there are for just themselves. And this is really a dark and a hopeless situation. And maybe in this political environment that we're living in right now, you might feel kind of desperate. You might feel what happens if you name the candidate? What if either of them wins? Whatever your your idea is and how you see the political arena right now. If you see that other candidate win, where are you? What's going to happen to you? How is that going to affect you? What's going to happen to our country? I love in Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah says, the year that King Uzziah died. Here is a monumental occasion. Here is Israel now without a king who was a good king. On the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple and it echoed and thundered crying holy 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 is the lord you see we need to see that there is life beyond just the things that we feel just the things that we do there is something that is bigger than the material world that we are connected to if we believe in God and we believe in Christ. And so the political environment, as difficult as it is and as hard as it is to read some of the things that I'm reading and thinking, how can people not see these things behind all of this? There is something deeper, something more powerful, something that we connect to, something that we anchor our lives into Because no matter what happens in this arena, I know how I am going to live my life. And no matter who is elected, it doesn't give me the right to act as an animal. Which is what we see some people acting like, right, on the news? I mean, you got these people riding, punching people. Why? Because they're voting for the other candidate. I understand the passion, but there's something more here. There's something that connects us to God and this idea of sensuality, of greed, this idea of practice of impurity, it has to do with I'm just here to satisfy myself. And it doesn't matter about anyone else where we've got this now realization that, well, maybe there is something more. Friday, I was driving to uh, Huntington Beach I had a lesson, a dog training lesson in Huntington Beach. It was a pit bull named Ricky who did great, by the way, just in case you were wondering. And, and as I was driving, I, I love iTunes and I subscribe to iTunes and I can listen to basically whatever I want to. And so I was having an emo moment as I was driving to Huntington Beach and I started listening to Joni Mitchell, okay? 
I used to love Joni Mitchell. Okay, I'm a 70s kind of a guy, and so I was listening to all my favorite Joni Mitchell songs. I was going through Blue, right? I wish I had a river I could skate away on. I was just like, and I was just getting caught up in the moment. Of course, you know, there's the Big Yellow Taxi. That's everyone knows that one. That's one of my least favorite songs, but I like it. But then another song came on. It was Both Sides Now. Do you guys remember that song, Both Sides Now? You've probably heard it. It's been covered by everyone from Willie Nelson to uh, Joan Collins, I think. Or Ju- What's her name? Julie Collins? Something like that. Anyway, Joan Collins. She was an actress, wasn't she? Anyway, <laughs> Judy Collins. That's it. And so I was listening to him. There's this one part, and as the song goes on, it talks about first about clouds. I've seen clouds from both sides now. You know, I've seen love from both sides now, the give and take, and still somehow... In its illusions, I recall, I really don't know love at all. That's like, oh, that's so profound. And it talks about life too, right? And it's just, and I was just having one of those emo moments where I was just thinking, you know, I've been walking with Jesus for 30 plus years and I feel like I'm still just learning. I feel like I'm still just beginning to scratch the surface of what this life is about this life in Christ. And, and, and really what Paul pushes here is he talks about, I don't want you to walk in this way that's ignorant of God, that lives as an animal. I don't want you to, to live in that way that you see happening all around you and in so many ways. There's a, a transition that takes place where he says, but that, verse 20, is not the way you learned Christ. And what jumps out at me at that is it doesn't say that's not the way you learned about Christ. It says that's not the way you learned Christ. You see, this faith that we have is not about how much information we get. It's about the relationship we have. And a lot of times it's possible to live our entire life without really being alive. It's possible to think of salvation as something that happens after you die and you don't go to hell, so you go to heaven and so I'm saved. But Jesus said, I come that you might have life and might have it in abundance to the full. That sounds like it's something that's supposed to happen now while I'm alive, which is good because that's where I'm at right now, right? I want to I wanna have life now. I'm glad about the life afterwards, but really what will help me is life now. And I want this life now. And you see, this is how we learn Christ. And this is how you grow in this relationship. And this is how God does a deep work in your heart and then a deeper work in your heart where you, you start to understand, okay, this is about Jesus and me. This is about God giving me his life. This is about me now learning to to walk and to live in this life. My grandson, who's nine months old now, is starting to stand up and he, he can't walk yet, but he's got this little scooter and man, he can move forward. He just kind of falls forward and holds that thing. And he looks like a drunk guy holding a shopping cart, right? He's just kind of walking over there and it's like, oh, there he goes. And he's so happy that he's doing it. I mean, he's just smiling. Look at me go. And you know he's moving and, and it's, it's so cute and I love it. 
and it's fun to make him laugh. I'm all tickling him, and he's giggling, and, and it's all that fun. But you see, this is just the beginning. At least that's our hope. Because I hope when he's five years old, he doesn't walk like a little drunk guy, right? I hope when he's five years old, he actually has some coordination. I hope that he starts to develop in these areas of his life and starts to learn more. And this is how we learn Christ. It's about entering into actual relationship with him. It's not about the information you get. It's about the life that you live. And the reason we are supposed to not walk in the way of the Gentiles and all these things that he mentioned is because there is an absence of God connected to that. And we are supposed to live in contrast to that. We are supposed to live actually walking with him, actually knowing that he's there, actually allowing him to speak to our lives, actually allowing him to even minister to us through Joni Mitchell songs on the 57. You know, it's like, okay, I hear you, God. I don't understand life at all. You know, I'm just like having this moment with God and a flashback from the 70s all at the same time. And and I'm starting to see that, you know, I, I really want the life that God has because Jesus didn't come to take us from bad to good or from good to better or from better to great. Jesus came to take us from dead to alive. And that's what I need. And that's what you need. And I don't want you to misunderstand this faith. I don't want you to learn about Jesus. I want you to know Jesus. I don't want to teach you information. I want to introduce you to the God who has revealed himself through the person of Christ. Because that's when everything changes. That's when we move from this area of sensuality, greed, practicing whatever we want. That's not how we learned Christ. He's moved us to a different place. Verse 20, it says, but that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. I love the message, Eugene Phillips' translation. He says, but that's no life for you. You learned Christ. My assumption is that you have paid careful attention to him, been well instructed in the truth precisely as we have it in Jesus. We have the truth in him. And that's what we need to learn, not about Jesus. We need to learn Jesus. How do you do that? You allow him to speak to you, to minister to you. We're going to watch a short little video that I think talks about this transition from death to life. So I definitely spent the first 24 years of my life completely in hiding. Um, Just acting, you know, acting like I was supposed to act in elementary school, acting like I was supposed to act in high school. And the first real thing I ever went to, where I really felt like this is real, was my first AA meeting. And I just remember walking in there and seeing all of these people who all looked completely different 
from each other, and none of them were dressed up in any way. There was no, there wasn't a mask to be found in that room. Everybody was just at their wit's end of pretending. And um, just by being there, they were kind of admitting it's not working for me alone. I need something else. I don't even know what it is. I just need something bigger than me, and I need other people. And so then when I picked up a Bible for the first time and started reading about Jesus' ministry and the people that he traveled with, it reminded me so much of that first real experience I had with people in recovery. Because Jesus hung out with all these, just a mixed lot of just ragamuffins and they had nothing in common except they needed each other. Like AA members. Yeah, they were, all, they were exactly like AA members. And... Um, so I just remembered that, you know, I remember that feeling of this is something real that I could do. Like, you're not supposed to dress up or be fixed or be good before you go to an AA meeting. You're just supposed to go to find comfort in the fact that we're all a mess and that we all need each other. And that's exactly what I felt like the Bible was telling me about Jesus and church, is that we're not supposed to dress up first. We're just supposed to show up all different kinds of people, all imperfect, and find comfort there. And nobody has to act. And so then, when I kept reading and found out about this grace thing, where, you know, it's not just suggested, but it is the rule in Christianity that you don't have to be ashamed of anything. That there's no shame. That that's a rule. The only rule, maybe. That sounded really good because a girl like me doesn't really choose a religion based on karma. <laughs> so then after grace, when I found out I could be forgiven, I learned about, you know, the ideas of um, life, you know, the cross, just the symbol of the cross to me is the truth because, you know, life hurts and I think a lot of times we um, think of love as something that we're told it is on commercials or in movies, that love is easy and common and pink and fluffy. And in my experience, in my personal life, and through the thousands of women that I get to talk to every week through my blog, is that um, love is not any of those things. That love is extremely hard and very rare. Um, it's exhausting. It's, you know, picking up the pieces of a shattered marriage. It's waking up in the middle of the night to take care of a sick baby who's been sick for years and will always be sick. It's um, a teacher grading her hundredth paper at night. It's um, a woman struggling with a chronic disease. It's hard and awful sometimes. Um, and it feels like the cross. Um, and, you know, what I say over and over again is, Life is hard because love is hard. And it's not hard because you're doing anything wrong. Often when it's the hardest is when you're doing it right. And so the cross just, it doesn't teach me anything new. I don't feel like anything in the Bible has ever taught me anything new. And that's why I trust it. It's because when I read about Jesus, it just confirms everything that I've always known to be true. Um, like love hurts. The cross says to me that love hurts. And the resurrection says, but love wins. It hurts, life hurts, but in the end, always love wins. And I see the resurrection everywhere in my life. I've seen it in my marriage. 
Um, I've seen my marriage fall apart and, and go to where I thought there was no hope for it and then just somehow by the power of showing up it came back to life. I have come back from the dead. I was so close to death um, during my addiction years. I have completely been reborn. Um, I see it in nature. I tell my kids all the time. I mean, it's in every tree that you see. It's in, it's in the seed that goes into the ground and you don't see it and you think it's gone and you think it's dead and then it just blooms and flowers. It's just the story of Jesus is imprinted everywhere on our relationships and in nature and that's why I believe it. There is a resurrection that takes place in our lives when we move from a futility of mind to a renewing of the mind. When we come to a life that is about consumption and we move to a life that is Jesus' life in us. And a lot of times this idea of this resurrection, we start thinking, well, what do I need to do to have this resurrected life? What, what steps do I need to take? And again, we start trying to, to make it into something that we can formulate. And what Paul does here is he tells us that it's something that we put on. It's like putting on these new clothes, putting on these clothes that God had intended for you all along. These are the clothes that he hand-tailored for you in Christ. Have you ever had a tailored suit? Or maybe not. Maybe you just had pants hemmed, right? Because you're too tall and they have to... Never happened to me. Um, you know, where they've had to hem the pants because you're too short. And it's like, wow, for a waist that big, you should be six foot tall. I said, I know. <laughs> and now it's something that is designed for you. Well, you see, there are clothes that God has designed for you and they look like Jesus. There was a gentleman, was a story that was popular a while back named Ted Williams. I don't know if you guys remember. He was a homeless guy, but he had the golden voice. And then he ended up getting a job and he was doing an announcer. And that's the same man. That's just him homeless. And that's him after he got discovered with his voice. He's gone through some hard times because life is hard because things happen. I really don't know life at all. Um, all these things go on, but he's now transformed. And it's amazing what new clothes look like. It's amazing what the clothes God wants to clothe us with will make us look like. It's amazing the transformation that can take place in us when we move from that futility of mind to the renewing of our minds. When we move to the place where we start living in a world that is just about existing. It's survival mode. Have you ever been in survival mode or do you know someone who's been in survival mode where all they can see is what is happening right now? And so you try to talk to that person and you try to say, you know, what you really need to do is think about how this next step is going to affect your life 
not just tomorrow, but years from now. Because if you do this, you're going to lose this job. And where is that going to leave you? But when they're in a survival mode, that, again, primitive kind of instinctual mode, all they can do is see what is happening right there. And the decisions they make end up being decisions that are based just on feeding and stopping the anxiety that they're having right here, right now. Happens all the time when I do dog training, when I'm dealing with a dog that's aggressive or has anxiety. What's happening is the dog is only dealing with how it feels right now and it has no security. And so the anxious or the anger, whatever it is, starts to show up because this is the only way they know how to act because they don't see that there is structure, that there is actually someone who's going to take care of them. What the dog needs is someone to be a leader. And what we need is to recognize that we have a leader whose name is Jesus. And you can operate your life in this futility of your mind wearing these old clothes, which he talks about here. He says, verse 22, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed by the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Now, righteousness means in right standing, and holiness is in relationship. Don't think of this as something you do. Think of this as someone you are. You put on the new clothes by becoming the person you're supposed to be. You could either live in Genesis chapter 3 where it's the fall and everything has gone to pot. Or you can live back in Genesis 1 where you and I were created in the image of God because that's what we're talking about here is taking on the clothes that restore our life to God's intention for your life. And that's exactly what he says, created after the likeness of who? Of God. You were created in the likeness of God. Are you wearing it? Or are you wearing the likeness of a fallen Adam, a fallen Sam, fill in your name, Because God's desire is that you would have life in abundance. That you would put on this new way of thinking, a life that looks like God intended you to look like, which was in his image. And now everything else can change. Ephesus was worse than the U.S. in 2016. I'm telling you. The STDs alone would make you run out of that city. And in that scenario, Paul is saying, you need to put on the likeness of God because that's how you learned Jesus. He didn't come to make you better. He didn't come to clean you up, give you some new shoes, tailor your pants. He came to take you from death to life. He came to resurrect you Here's the coat. It's yours to put on.
And that's what we're about. Okay, this, this isn't about how you act a certain way. And even as Glennon shared in the video, the masks are an old way of wearing the clothes. That, that's a, a prideful way of wearing the clothes. We want to eliminate that. My prayer for us as a community is that we would be genuine that I could really be broken and I could say, you know what? I'm struggling and I have my doubts and I know you do too. And I don't have to put on the facade because I'm the pastor and I'm supposed to not have any doubts. Sorry, if that's what you're looking for, you might want to try another place because this pastor got plenty of doubts, got plenty of hangups. Just talk to my wife, okay? She's not even here right now. That's how many, no, she's probably in the nursery. So... She hears me talking and says, I've had enough of that. I'm out of here. No, this is the humanity we live in, but that's not how I learned Christ. You see, Christ takes me where I'm at with the things that are part of my life. He doesn't expect me to clean it up. He is my life. And I don't have to make the clothes good enough for God to be pleased with me. He gives me his clothes That's the righteousness. That's the holiness. It's that that he gives. And that's how we've learned Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have resurrected my life, that you have clothed me. And you have changed the way I think. And God, I know Paul is telling us this because we still have a tendency to think in the futility of our minds like we used to. We we have a tendency, I have a tendency to forget who I am, forget that I now bear your image. And so sometimes I get fearful, anxious, just like the dogs I train, insecure because I don't trust the leadership. And Lord, that's because I'm not seeing you as leading. And I pray for everyone who is here this morning, God, that there would be a realization of your leadership in our life, your lordship in our life, your clothing us, in our lives so that we can live in abundance even though sometimes it hurts even so though sometimes there is sickness even though sometimes there is heartache even though sometimes there is questions and there is doubts there is a security of knowing you are bigger than my doubts that you are deeper than the pits that I fall in that you are greater and the condition of this world and that you bring life. Father, I pray that this life that you bring would be ours and that we'd be able to give it away. I pray, Lord, for anyone who's here this morning struggling in some of these areas. Maybe it's in an area of addiction. 
Maybe it's in a relationship that is falling apart. Maybe it is in areas of doubts. Lord, I pray that they would lean into this new life, that they would put on these new clothes, and that you would restore the image that you created them in, that they would find hope in the midst of the trial and the difficulty. And the God who lives and loves and is seen in Jesus, whose name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. May you not walk in the futility of your mind, but may you learn Christ. Allow your mind to be renewed and put on this new you that was created in the image of God himself. May people see Jesus in you this election year. God bless you guys. <clears throat> you have been listening to the Genesis podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.